sequel to Jurassic Park, one minute time. I'm Brad. I'm Dave. And today we're here to discuss Minute 103 of The Lost World. Dave, this past week, Universal had a bit of a event on um, over there for the 25th anniversary of Jurassic Park. Yeah, yeah. They, um, it was a hugely success- successful, sold out. A couple of our friends went. Um, uh, the Jurassic Collection was there, so she was one of our contacts about what was going on. And so they had a bunch of really cool stuff. Apparently they showed the film, showed a 10-minute clip from the... Oh, or not from the opening. Was it from the opening of Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom? Yeah, I believe it was. Yep. The first, right. the first 10 minutes. Yeah, so, yeah they showed the first 10 minutes of Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. And they had some really, really interesting um, props being sold by Fandango, I believe. Is, is that the same ticket? sales Fandango? Yeah, that's what surprised me as well. <laughs> I don't know what they were up to there with that, but um, it was great to see some of them photos come out of uh, uh, props and that from the films. Um, not just Jurassic Park, they um, seem to have stuff up from across the uh, the franchise. Yeah, um, they, did, they did. In total. Um, like one thing that um, there were sort of photos there as well of um, some of the set designs and set sketches for Jurassic Park 3. That, um... Yeah, they had the schematics for um, the aviary overlook, which was really interesting to see, especially because they were obviously from one of the pre-final scripts. Mm. They weren't from the shooting script because they had the velociraptors chasing them. In, they showed velociraptors chasing them into the... Um, aviary overlook instead of the spinosaurus which we know was scripted at one point which is why the spinosaur doesn't actually break into the aviary when <laughs> in the film it was part of the, the script issue they had there but mm-hmm. yeah and i one of the one of the big things i was looking forward to and we did report it on uh, one of our mints last week was that uh, the jurassic park rv and jurassic park motor pool were going to be there with uh, all their vehicles and that was great to see as well the yeah. rv the RV having a bit of bit of trouble getting back to the Universal <laughs> up the hills oh, there. It? Yeah, the um because of the weight of it, the the transmission didn't want to go up a hill. So Universal actually uh, brought out one of their maintenance trucks and towed it up the hill to Universal for uh, them. Um, <laughs> but it just goes yeah. to show how big and heavy that RV is. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like it's designed to drive the standard RV itself, not a second one cut in half on the back. Plus, having the military spec yeah. tires on it, it takes a lot of power to drive that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, can, um, can you imagine the weight of it with all the uh, computers and yeah. all the props stuff stuffed in there? Because they had like a bookshelf, they had the glass map, all that, you know. Mm, plus the the Sega the Sega game in the back as well, and uh, <laughs> and all their living food and all that sort of stuff as well. Because I would have been living out as a weekend as well. But um, oh yeah, true. But it just goes to show, too, how much weight would have been it when it was driving around sauna and not getting mm-hmm. bogged. But, um, no, that was fantastic. Of course, um, Jurassic Park Jeeps and RV uh, uh, Explorers were there. Um, a couple of M-Class vehicles as well, which was great to see. Um, yeah, the I, rem- I remember seeing that the RV team wrote, that the, wrote up on their Facebook showing a picture of the RV and a long line coming out of it as people wanted to come in and actually see it. I mean, because that's a piece of Jurassic Park movie history. That's one of the most famous vehicles in the Jurassic Park franchise is that RV. Yeah. And it became an attraction of its own, you know? <laughs> they, could have, yeah. they probably could have made a, whopping, a Whopper uh, selling tickets. <laughs> well, that's that's one thing they 
posted on been. the yeah exactly posted on Facebook was that the originally it was just going to be parked there with the rest of the vehicles but they ended up opening the door and had a long line of people wanting to go in and see it um, yeah because unlike yeah unlike unlike the Jeep sort of Explorers or even the M Class which you could sort of do your own fan edits and um, make a something that looks similar to it the RV is one of those things where it's customized to the point where it's really hard to replicate fan wise mm. just in cost and having to store it somewhere and <laughs> all those sort of things without even going to tires and just cutting a number plus, RV in half. And plus the added attraction of it being the original from the movie, you know? Mm. Yep. Yep. I mean, sure anybody can, I mean anybody with the amount of, with the right kind of money can um, build their own Jurassic Jeep or Mercedes if they wanted to, but to actually have one of the original prop vehicles from the movie, that is cool. Yeah. You know? And it just makes it even more sad knowing that that other one's on the back lot of Universal <laughs> just rotting away. Mm. No, it was great. And they, they said some of the um, Universal guys that worked with it and that come out and had a look as well. And it would have been just fantastic if one of those one of those higher-ups that had a, <laughs> a blank checkbook would be mm. like, oh, wow, you've done a great job. Here's, here's a donation to help get it back <laughs> mm. to its former glory a bit better. Even, uh, even yeah. donate a paint job to it or something, but... Yeah, I'd love to see them. I, they did say that they were going to refresh the paint job, didn't they? Um, it was one of the last things I was looking at doing just because of the cost. Um, yeah. They done they put a bit of a rejuvenator over it, um, which brought out the yeah, paint a little bit better. That. It's one of those things too, like all the, the barred windows that have all sort of rusted up a bit, and it gives it more of an, <laughs> aged, an aged look. Um, and it's one of those things, I think they asked on Facebook to some of their fans and some of the donors to the Kickstarter, would you like to see it fully restored and repainted or just sort of touched up to make it look like it's sort of, it's a, it's age, it's been in the field, it's been used um, and sort of has that bit of a distressed look just to show that it's been to, some, been to hell and back and it's still in one piece. But yeah, it was just great to see all that stuff about on the road again. And yeah. one thing that I did notice that come out too from Universal, they released a video uh explaining and showing off the production of uh, some limited edition baby raptor markets they're going to sell. Um, yeah, they did. And I think also miniaturized um, Indominus Rex heads. Mm-hmm. Yep. Pricey, though. Very pricey. Yeah, well, that's it. They're, they're coming in our own customized universal crate. Um, the little little raptors look fantastic. Um, and also in the video they're showing off they're selling... Um, prints of the Jurassic Park free sets I've seen um, mm. mainly mainly in the lab for the lab chase with the Velociraptor behind the like the, the embryonic fluid tank and that um, mm. which sort of gave a little bit more look into that set as well seeing what section of the roof like the way the roof was um, built and that so you sort of know when you're looking at that CG shot from outside where they actually are in the building and not just mm. off the side of the embryonics administration like we think they were but um I don't know how much that old stuff's probably going to be expensive, but I hope someone gets a digital screen cap of it that I can have, because it'll be all be all licensed prints, so that that's going to come with a fee. Mm -hmm. And Universal have seen yeah. how much the fans love the franchise, so they're going to start <laughs> adding adding dollars to their stuff. Mm -hmm. Never going to know we have it if the thing won't make some kind of sound. Come on, wake up! Come on, come on, wake up! <laughs> I've been making some payments lately. Some I wanted to make, some I haven't. <laughs> ah, yes. 
Oh, that was. I was going to ask if there's been anything more come into your collection this week. Yes, there has. Um, I got the Stegosaurus. Yep. Um, Owen with Baby Blue and what was the other one? Oh, the um, that big like six-inch scale Velociraptor. I got the blue, and I'm going to go back for the regular male one that they seem to have. Yep. Yep. Uh, nice. I um, my local Target got in the remote control gyrosphere which I haven't purchased yet because there's a heap of them on the shelf and going back in this past couple of days there's still a heap of them on the shelf so I'm not I'm not too crazy about them disappearing in any time soon. Um, I did find it weird that most of the, all the whole Jurassic Park line or Fallen Kingdom line in there is now, they've got a sale on so I don't know if that's just to make room for the next wave of stock or if they've underselling already and just want to get rid of it even though the film hasn't been released yet <laughs> it sort of has me concerned a little bit but uh one other thing that i've been reading too is there's word around that the the big mosasaur isn't going to be continued do you know anything about that i've only seen I some comments that. That's the first thing i'm hearing of it okay it might be just some comments in some facebook groups i thought um apparently what's been made is all that's being made of it they're not actually continuing the figure Oh, I hope well, that's that I hope that's not right. That, what? I hope that's not correct. I know I did too. Otherwise, I'm kind of hoping. I kind of wish I kept mine in box. I did the last. <laughs> yeah, well, I've been looking on eBay, um, and I'm looking at eighty to a hundred dollars just to have one shipped here from the states. So, I'm, well, I'm really that's need the to. Prices. This was the same prices for the super colossal too. Mm. I wanted one and. Every time they're cheap, I can't afford it, and every time I can afford it, they're not cheap. Yeah, yeah. Well, they're big boxes, so I understand, but, um, yeah, hopefully that doesn't happen and they come out at retail, <laughs> because that's one that's one figure I really want, that big Mosasaur. Yeah, it's a, it's a great figure. I got it. It's a lot of fun. Mm. I was actually surprised I was able to find it. I found I found one on a shelf in, uh, <laughs> like, like 40 miles away and I grabbed it then because I knew if I didn't grab it then I'd never get it mm. you know well that was the same uh, last week when I found the, the remote control drive sphere they also had the uh, the Jeep 18 um, net launcher gimmick vehicle with the uh, Dimorphodon and uh, oh, there was only two of those on shelves so I picked one up um, the other one's still there for $5 cheaper now <laughs> with the sale so I might pick that up as well and get two of them but um I just wish that set was coming so I didn't buy the original small Dimorphodon because it's exactly the same figure. But that's all right. You can you can have have too many animals. So uh, yeah, really. So yeah, that Jeep. It's it's a nice little Jurassic Park Jeep. But some of these figures, instead of being Fallen Kingdom themed, just seem to be hey, we know you know um, Hasbro didn't do a good job. Here's here's what we should have got with Hasbro line. Yeah. Because um, yeah. that that old jeep having the the net launching gimmick and uh, catching dimorphodons when they were escaping the aviary, it just it was Jurassic World. It's not really something that's going to be in Fallen Kingdom. So mm-hmm. I know that there's um I think Jada Toys or someone's doing a like a more detailed diecast jeep um, that isn't yeah. the distressed that's version. Right. And I'll get that as well. But this is a good little thing like like the original um, Devil Tracker just to have it's they're pretty pretty well built. Um, my son can play with it, and I don't have to worry about too much being damaged. Mm-hmm. Now, one payment I wasn't too happy to have to make was first car payment. Oh. <laughs> yep. Did that come out already? So I, I'm about flat broke. Got 50 bucks. 
<laughs> that's my fifty bucks for my name. Gas money. <laughs> <laughs> Thankfully, it gets good gas mileage, so I haven't had to fill it up in a month. Oh wow! Yeah, that's definitely good that's news. That's one of the reasons I went with it. <laughs> uh, all right, ready to get into one hundred three. Yep. As we end on a minute 102 of the Lost World, Ludlow called down to his workmen to check the cargo hold. There may be crew down there. Ian yelled everyone off the boat, but before he can get back to the control console, the security guard grabs the remote from a dead workman's hands and opens the doors. At the 8 second mark, the Tyrannosaur bellows as it pushes the doors open, free, and starts walking down the deck of the ship. 14 second mark, Ludlow looks down from his position up by the bridge in absolute terror as the Tyrannosaur starts to make its way off the boat. As the T-Rex chases workmen down the roof section of the destroyed office, workmen run in all directions, some deciding it's safer to jump into the water and stay on the deck with the Tyrannosaur, and one barely makes it before the Tyrannosaur snaps, just missing him. At the 35 second mark, Ian emerges on the catwalk behind Ludlow, and tells him, now you're John Hammond. The Tyrannosaur bellowing can be heard in the background. At the 43 second mark, we see a large sign saying, welcome to the United States, and no fruit or animals beyond this point. Just as the Tyrannosaur comes into view and crashes through the sign, breaking in half, the camera pans right as we go past some officers and people inside seemingly unknown to the danger. And as the minute ends, the Tyrannosaur walks up onto a rocky outcrop and bellows at the city of San Diego. As we end the last minute, sort of, Ludlow yelled out to uh, the crew to check the cargo hold. There may be crew down there. And uh, that big inept guard that we had from the, uh, the opening of the scene, not letting Malcolm and Sarah in, is here on the dock and uh, pulls the remote from the dead guy's arm and pushes the open button. Pretty much as he pushes it, we get the roar. Ian runs over and says, no, no, don't. And... Um, the doors start to open and the Rex pops its head out. Mm-hmm. It's going to jams those doors open. And I love how when he rears up, you can get that great view of that crocodile pattern on the bottom of his, mm. uh, on the bottom of his belly. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And it, like, this is all CG here. So the, the detail's fantastic here. Mm-hmm. Not with the animatronic, but, uh, I've also noticed too, like here beside the control panel and even on the roof of the, uh, the, like the top, main support bars of the Rex um, enclosure cage thing. Um, the blue the blue lighting uh, that seems to be all around the deck. Um, mm-hmm. And also on that cage. So I wonder if the cage has its own power pack or if it's plugged into the, the deck just so it can have the lights on as well. But it's just sort of something I'm else to light the scene, I suppose. I'm kind of wondering if they hung those lights onto the cage because they seem to be the same kind of blue lights that dot around the edge of the um, boat. Yeah, yeah, like they've, they've something that belongs to the boat and they've just put it on so they can monitor, like, work lights or something. Yeah, that's what I think they are. Yeah. But, but they're um, blue work lights instead of, like, fluorescent or mm. incandescent regular light bulbs, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, as the animal sort of breaks out, there's one thing we haven't really discussed yet. Do you reckon the Venture was the only ship that was planning on bringing animals back? I don't know. Because we sort of... We see later how big the cargo hold is, and like the male Tyrannosaur can sort of go down there and turn around, but that's about it. We know there's a dozen animals in cages in the InGen camp, um, plus another day's catch if uh, 
the camp wasn't destroyed that night. I don't see yeah. all those animals fitting on this boat. <laughs> I don't either, no. There's poss- I think that they might have had either more than one, and they only brought the venture because they only had the wrecks to take off, or they would have made multiple trips because, I mean, those dinosaurs are in cages and they're not going anywhere, you know? Yeah, yeah. Well, there might have been more than one boat that sauna and um, the Venture was the only one to come back because they only had the one animal, but I suppose we've seen in previous minutes how they just had the wrecks sitting on the deck, so maybe they would have had the cages sitting on decks on the deck, much like shipping containers on those big yeah. freight carriers. But um... Well, that's what they seem to have with the um, ship, with the Arcadia, mm. that is, is the name of the ship in Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. Is they seem to have them both on on deck and in the cargo hold, and that ship I believe looks to be an LPD, which is a landing platform dock. My father was on one when he was in the navy, and so they have like these huge um, bay bay doors on the back of the ship that just loads a bunch of army ducks, yeah, and army army duck boats, and so. Um, a lot of the animals we see in some of the trailers, they're in there instead of uh, on the deck. So it's possible that they would have done both, I think. Mm. Yeah, and, yeah, and so now, now, now that some of the trailers have come out and we've seen animals in their enclosures, we've seen early on some of the behind-the-scenes stuff with uh, those cages, um, which essentially look like containers that have been modified with barred walls instead of being an enclosed shipping container, just so you can stack... Mm multiple cages on top of each other. Yeah. Um, unlike what we see in here in the Lost World where the Stegosaur and all that have the big arching cages to match the plates, which looks fantastic, but <laughs> doesn't really <laughs> stack on a ship very well. Yeah. And the T-Rex, uh, especially the uh, Rexy's uh, container, really looks like a Connex box that just... Uh, cut bars into yeah. you know yeah yeah exactly even the close up when we get her in that one trailer that we got when her foot scrape her claws scrape the edge of the box it looks exactly like that kind of corrugated steel mm. on a comics on a box you know yeah and again we haven't seen the film but if they're acting in a in a hurry to get here and save the dinosaurs because they know the volcano's coming um, and might not have the funds to go full uh, full equipment and that, they might be just retrofitting these containers to house dinosaurs, cutting the walls out to um, so they can breathe and have airflow and all that sort of thing. So, but well, it, it just... is true. I, I know that um, some people actually retrofit Connex boxes to be living spaces. Mm. I don't know yep. why they do that. <laughs> I know my cousin was actually looking into doing it, but, I mean, it just seems so uncomfortable, you know? Yeah. But people apparently do that. Well, you can open, you, you put them in an L shape or a U shape um, and have the walls open into a sort of like a kitchen area in the middle and put a roof over the whole lot. Um, I, mm-hmm. It's it's common here sort of in more remote areas and um, places where you're sort of not on the grid, to say. Um, I think also, too, because there's a land, something with land tax, you're not paying as much land tax because it's a removable home or a portable home instead of a established dwelling. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, I've one when one place we go camping, they actually I think it's from Japan or Asia. It's essentially a container that folds out into a large um, cabin, like the walls okay. fold out, and then you got glass walls that sort of come out and um, fill in the outside 
wall space, and um, it's got a kitchen, toilet, and double bedroom, um, all mounted in it. And when you when you pack up, you just pull the walls in and fold the roof down and the floor up, and it's locked away for another twelve months until you need to use it again. It's... All right. And I, you, you've probably seen the ads that spam you on Facebook sometimes, where um, there's like the the fold out houses and that sort of stuff as yeah. well. Um, yeah, I have seen that. Yeah. But um, no, it just, it just made me wonder with the venture whether it was the only boat. I wonder if, because at this point, when we see InGen back on the island when they're getting the wrecks ready to go, I wonder if there is another boat there and they're planning on continuing the expedition from that point on. Because they've sort of, they're back, they've got supplies. All the cages are still there and they've obviously got the manpower on scene as well. It's not really until the next day here where... We're in San Diego and stuff goes downhill where um, it's probably decided that we're not going to go ahead with the plan, but mm -hmm. yeah, this just makes me wonder something to think about. If there's this another boat, then maybe they're looking at getting more animals while while everyone's there, sort of thing. Yeah, but no, we cut up to the... Um, all the wreck sort of lumbers out of the dock and uh, out of the deck and roars again and uh, slowly walks past its cage. One thing that's different here to the um, shooting script is the fact that it's sort of just lumbering, looking around. It's not really... It's not running anywhere. It's just sort of walking around, taking the surroundings. Um. Well, you got to look at it from the from the dinosaur standpoint. He's probably terrified. He's taking. He's been taken out of the only environment he's ever known hmm. and placed in something that's 100% alien to him. Alien smells, alien sights, alien sounds, alien... Even alien taste. I'm sure that the a city, t the air of a city tastes different to a T-Rex compared to jungle air, you know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like it's, like most coastal cities, you start getting those early mornings um, and you start getting the fog come in and the smog and all that sort of stuff. I'm sure the mm -hmm. air tastes really bad to it and that, that's going to come back up next minute with uh, the plan to have the baby lure it back to the ship just like they did to the trailers. Um, mm-hmm. But um, up on the catwalk, Ludlow sort of looks down in terror, and uh, we cut back to the dock and see workers scramble off the boat, giving the wrecks the way off the ship, which always seems to be the case where people are running and fleeing from an animal, the animal then follows them, and that's how they get <laughs> even more free. I'm sure <laughs> I'm sure in time it would have found this ramp, or the old section of the destroyed harbour master's office to, to go down, which mm -hmm. I'm surprised that can hold the weight of a T-Rex after the ship ploughed through it. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it's a natural ramp there, and uh, lets it gives it a way of getting down onto the dock. And uh, again, mm -hmm. there's sort of as people are running around, it's just sort of looking left and right, and snaps at one worker at the last minute as he uh, jumps off the water. He seems to think that uh, going for a drink in the Pacific Ocean is a lot better than staying around for a T Rex to bite him. <laughs> <laughs> well, the thing in the um, about the ramp though is actually in the. I think it was the storyboards. He actually, the T Rex actually had to, uh, like, jump down a little bit from the ship. He didn't have, he didn't have that full ramp. Well, yeah, in the yeah in the shooting script, it actually describes the Rex as leaping down onto the dock and landing nimbly, uh, nimbly amongst the crates. Like, there's no, no ramp yeah. there, which will make me uh, interested later on the script to see in the shooting script to see where or how it gets back up onto the deck or what happens there, but. And it's one of those little Spielberg things, too, of that, that worker sort of leaping off into the water and the Rex just having a nip, having a nip trying to grab him, but uh, misses. It could have been it quite easily for him to grab it out of midair and have another death scene here, but um, 
we're going to hear in the next minute that um, it's after it's water source first, and then the next thing its body needs. Then there's a small cutscene here, actually, between um, the T-Rex, uh, between Ludlow looking at the T-Rex, and the T-Rex, they're going down the dock. There's actually a shot of Ludlow who watching the T-Rex going on its rampage across the dock. Oh, okay. So it was. it's the cut right before we get to see Ludlow, the camera was supposed to turn from Ludlow watching it to Ludlow's face. Ah, rightio. Yeah, because we do cut up on that catwalk as um, Ludlow's watching on Powerless to do anything, and suddenly Ian sort of appears behind him and tells him that now he's John Hammond. Right. <laughs> now, now you realise what it feels like to have your dream <laughs> completely ruined, because yep. um, much like in Jurassic World, where, uh, where Claire says we'll never open <laughs> the next day um, after the Indominus... After they um, fail to evacuate the island, it's uh, yeah, and it's like John when he's getting on that helicopter at the end of Jurassic Park, he just sort of realizes that his dream's gone. And that's I would have to say that's probably one of the most somber moments of the first Jurassic Park movie is that end scene where the Brachiosaurus trumpet, and you can see John hesitantly just look back before at his dream that just has crushed around him. And then uh, John, or I'm sorry, not John Grant, Alan Grant just kind of tapped him on the shoulder, which shakes him out of his uh, kind of daydreaming, and he gets in the helicopter and leaves. It's it's one of my one of my most favorite scenes in that original film, and it's it's got goose I've got goosebumps here just <laughs> from you describing it. My my biggest problem is that that's how it ends. Like you had this dream, <laughs> the animals are still there. It's you just you're just walking away. And it's something we'll get to in the next minute too with um, the Dinosaur Protection Group, how they're uh, starting to go after Maserani and how Maserani have just walked away from Jurassic World after the uh, the Jurassic World incident and um, seemingly not doing anything to save the animals. It's just... It's it's Jurassic Park all over again where we just... Okay, we're flying away, happy. We survived from the island as being deaf and some animals are free, but you've got the power going again. There's, <laughs> there's only so far the animals can go and all the herbivores are sitting there like, Where's where's my handlers? Where's the food? Come on, guys. I need some hay. And, of course, we get that little bit of a Jurassic Park theme playing in the background again as he sort of tells them as well, which, yeah, just sort of cuts back to that to that, that feeling. But um, we get a screen cut to the workers running up the service road past the guardhouse of the uh, engine dock area. And as the camera pans up, we reveal a uh, custom sign. No animals or vegetarian... Or no fruit or uh, vegetables past this point or no animals which again it's a very Spielberg moment we talked the last couple of minutes where the SS Ventures sort of coming full speed into the dock and goes or crashes through a boy that uh, says I think it's five knot five knot no wake or no wash sign that the boat just plows through it here we get the Rex come up and smash its head through the sign knocking in in two I think there's also the, the low clearance sign here too. I think it's ten feet three. Uh, Four inches, yeah. Ten feet three inches. Yeah. One thing I always thought about is, you know how he goes past the back of the customs office. How hmm. is nobody looking around back behind them at the T-Rex stomping by? I mean, you hear a sound well, crash outside. That's a pretty loud noise, you know. Yeah, and that's. It's one. Of, it's interesting because yeah, the the wreck sort of disappears behind these offices, and we pan right across the windows. Um, which one thing? It's 3 a.m. <laughs> Who's what? Government workers are working at 3 a.m. But uh, oh. <laughs> it, it, yeah, it um, well, overtime. So yeah, definitely. They um, 
the first couple of windows, you've got sort of guards in there, and they're scrambling on phones and everything else, which maybe they did hear and did see. Mm-hmm. But then as we um, go further along, we start to get people that are not doing much at all. And uh, the last window, which seems to have a um, an immigrant family, um, I I don't want to stereotype, but they look like Mexicans. <laughs> I'm guessing if you're coming to San Diego, that's that's the what. Um, in San Diego, I mean, what? what other, yeah. You no. Know, what two other nationality <laughs> is is around San Diego? <laughs> yeah, they're not they're not Vikings anyway. They're not <laughs> Norwegians, that's for sure. But um. It's sort of interesting too, like, it, yeah, okay, they might be processing, but sort of the father picks the son up here like they're getting ready to get out as well. And as you said, like, you can hear the roaring that it just went through a sign mm-hmm. and maybe oh, maybe two or three hundred metres away, a ship just crashed into a dock yeah. as well. Like, we haven't moved very far from where those uh, limos were all parked at the start of the scene, so, the start of the sequence, so, yeah... But it's just to transition as we uh, get the Rex sort of jump up on a rocky height crop and do its best Godzilla impersonation <laughs> by roaring at the San Diego skyline. Which was completely digitally placed there. That's it's it's more it, in real life the the camera's just panning next to a blank bit of here. That's all that the San Diego skyline was completely digitally placed there. I think mm, I had the yep. uh, digital. Uh, before and after um, from the ILM behind the scenes. I posted up. Yeah. Well, yeah, and that's the end. I mean, as we go into the shooting script, that whole thing's completely added. Uh, the only the only thing we see of the Rex at the end of the minute is um, it going through the sign and then sort of lumbering its silhouette, silhouette lumbering off towards the um, San Diego skyline. <laughs> but um... Well, there was another um, deleted... Uh, what was that? Um, ILM storyboard was... After John, or after um, Ian Malcolm says, "Now nah, you're John Hammond," we get another pan of um, from the from the top of the ship of the T-Rex stomping off towards the sign. Then eventually the close-up of the of the T-Rex breaking through the sign and then rounding the corner. Yeah, yep, yeah. But in the shooting script again, we had the workmen all sort of running over to the cargo bay doors as Ludlow says there might be crew down there. And um, as as they sort of get there, and Ian says no, the um, the doors come flying open, and send some of the the workmen flying through the air, being hit by the doors, which would have been a good little stunt to see set up. But um, the Rex pops out, and um, its only goal is to get off the boat. It, it sort of it completely ignores all the workmen that are running all over the place. And uh, as I said before, it leaps down off the ship and lands nimbly on the dock below. Because Ian, Sarah, and Ludlow are all together when uh, the Rex escapes, um, they all watch it break through the perimeter fence of the waterfront complex and that's when Ian turns to Ludlow and says now you're John Hammond which makes sense because in the film he sort of just appears <laughs> behind him <laughs> it's sort of the, the whole geography like one minute he's down with Sarah on the deck and they've obviously ran towards the bridge to escape the Tyrannosaur as it's running off the ship but yeah and Ludlow does some some leaping around here in, a, in the next minute as well but uh yeah, as I said before, the, the last thing we see is the silhouette moving away from the ship and um, all the lights of the ship because uh, the, the dock's out without power again and uh, smashes through a wooden sign saying, Welcome to America, and then hits another sign saying, No fruits or animals past this point. Uh, much like Domino's, the two signs fall over and uh, the wreck sort of lumbers, starts lumbering down the road towards the San Diego skyline. There's no, um, no roar that we see in the film. So, um, 
yeah, that's all I've got on the shooting script. Anything else on 103 you want to get to before we get out of here for the day? No, I think we did that pretty well. All right, guys. Let's get the hell out of here. Contact details are on the website, thelostworldminute.com. You can email feedback to thelostworldminute at gmail.com. Facebook, The Lost World Minute. Twitter, at The Lost World Minute. And Instagram, The Lost World Minute. Easy to remember. Yeah, yeah, very easy to remember. Right. <laughs> uh, David, thank you for joining me for this recording. You're welcome. And uh, we'll be back. I've been Brad. I'm Dave. And uh, we'll talk to you all later. Goodbye. Talk to you later. Bye. It is absolutely imperative that we work with the Costa Rican Department of Biological Preserves to establish a set of rules for the preservation and isolation of that island. These creatures require our absence to survive, not our help. And if we could only step aside and trust in nature, life will find a way.